welcome as we bring to order the fourth monthly session of Lexington Marquee Soccer. Thanks for joining us again this month as we take a look at just what kind of league USL League One is and what it takes to succeed on the field here. Specifically, we'll be interested in examining what kind of player profiles Lexington should be scouting after taking a look last month at some coaching candidates, but we're specifically focused on what kind of player profiles will help you succeed in this league. And in order to do that, we need to understand a little bit about what the league's grander objectives are. USL League One is entering its fourth season of existence. It was formally launched in 2019 to plug the third division gap in the American soccer pyramid, which appeared when USL itself moved up to the second division and eventually killed NASL. As part of that 2019 season, USL went from being a single league to an entity of leagues as they acquired the 4th Division Semi-Professional Premier Development League uh, and rebranded it as League 2 and rebranded its now top division, previously only division, as the USL Championship in the 2nd Division of the Pyramid. Basically, they were trying to copy the English soccer pyramid where England's second highest league is the championship, their third highest is League 1, and their fourth highest is League 2. So if you're wondering why these aren't just simply Leagues 2 through 4 with MLS being League 1, that's why. The branding, good or bad, isn't really what we're interested in, however. Instead, we're interested in what League 1's structural position means for it as a league both in theory and in practice. As mentioned, League 2 is semi-professional, so there are many teams throughout the league with fully amateur squads of college players hoping to stay in shape out of the college season, but maintain their college eligibility and not endanger their scholarships. The championship is very much a fully professional league where teams are slowly starting to evolve into keeping a core of players around long term, uh, to build academies to develop local youth players, and provide top-level competition for the many major metropolitan areas left out of MLS's closed system. Obviously then, League 1 is left halfway between these two. If League 2 is almost exclusively focused on young players' development and even amateur players, and the championship is evolving into a competitive league of veteran players who MLS simply doesn't have enough roster slots for, then that leaves League 1 as a midway point between competitive play and development. Make no mistake, the teams in this league want to win and employ plenty of veteran players in major roles on their rosters, but in large part, The greater USL entity wants League One to be a proving ground for young players to get their first taste of fully professional football and see who can rise up into the championship and either there or directly on from League One be sold to bigger and higher profile leagues and clubs. We're starting to see the fruits of this system this offseason as Omaha's dominant title-winning side had its roster brutally pilfered by other clubs, sending five of their 11 starters to championship squads. Now, unfortunately for Omaha, all five of those players left on free transfers because Omaha had only signed them to one-year contracts, meaning the club lost half their starting lineup with no compensation whatsoever. But... Long term, the goal is for the league's clubs to become financially stable enough that they can sign players to multi-year deals and sell them to championship, MLS, or international teams for a fee that can be reinvested in roster acquisitions, player development, and academy programs. Right now, however, it's early doors and it's enough for the league to prove that they can develop championship, Division II caliber players consistently. 
The more domestic roster movement we have up and down these USL leagues, the healthier the sport will be in America. Within a year or two, however, League One will need to start collecting fees for these players or risk being marginalized and picked bare. Not what the USL is looking for. For now, however, the biggest goal from USL will be for League One teams to aggressively scout their local colleges and amateur soccer programs, either in League Two or even the other two main fourth division leagues, the UPSL and NPSL. Which brings us to our first broad strokes profile of a League One player, a young player looking to move from amateur soccer, college or club, to fully professional soccer and take the next step in their development. Two of those Omaha players mentioned earlier fit this model perfectly. Forward Evan Conway moved on from Omaha to the championship San Diego Loyal this offseason. Before his two years in Omaha where he scored 16 goals across 32 games, however, he was bouncing back and forth between the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee and the Ventura County Fusion of USL League Two. This was a player who played college soccer close enough to Omaha to fall into their scouting radar and played club football in the offseason at a League Two team, giving Jay Mims and company enough tape to know that he would succeed at their team. They brought him in, he succeeded wildly, and now he's moving on and up to the championship where he'll try to perform well enough to get sold to an MLS side or beyond. Center back Blake Malone had a similar but slightly different route where he played only one season at UNC before turning pro, but he didn't go immediately to League One. He actually started in the championship at current champions Orange County. There, he didn't get the minutes he needed to develop, so he signed with Omaha one division down and became a consistent starter for them in the second half of the season before being signed to another championship club after that season, Memphis 901. Again, Young player, but this time one who championship clubs clearly identified early on as talented, but who needed consistent minutes and playing time in order to actually develop. And those minutes? He found them in League One. So this league can not only scout local colleges and League Two sides, but also look upward in the USL pyramid for championship players who don't get the minutes they need. In either case, the profile of young players under 25 who can develop and move up the pyramid is clearly a League One target. Ronaldo Damas, the league's inaugural Golden Boot winner, is another perfect example of a player who succeeded in League One, moved on to the championship, and then went on a stellar run to single-handedly win his team the title in the 2021 playoffs at that higher level. These types of players are the backbone of what USL League One is and wants to be. However, it doesn't always have to be young players dropping down from the championship with an eye toward going right back up. It can be veteran players. So, guys between the years of 25 and 28 who are considered in their prime, but looking to play a larger role for a team than they're getting in that higher league, either domestically or abroad. Take, for example, the league's current back-to-back -back MVP and Golden Boot winner, Emiliano Terzaghi, of Richmond Kickers. Emiliano was a consistent starter in the Argentine First Division, but always played bit parts rather than starting roles until he made the move to League One at the age of 26. While the league was a step down from the level he formerly played in, he is now a star succeeding wildly with vastly increased responsibilities and attention being paid to him. Obviously one of the main goals of League One is to develop young domestic talent, but part of that picture is testing those young players and asking them to step up against superior competition than they're used to, especially in their amateur or semi-pro leagues or colleges. That is where foreign signings like Emiliano can be incredibly beneficial even when they arguably take up a roster slot that could have been held by another 22-year-old American. The experience Emiliano has and can share with his younger teammates is invaluable to their development, 
and playing against a veteran like him is invaluable for the leveling up of his opponents as well. So for the league as a whole, that signing is stellar. Obviously a player of that caliber is going to demand higher wages, so these are the types of players that will be limited to maybe two or three signings by any League One side, meaning there's a lot of risk if the team gets it wrong. But if they get the right guy, it can be a major boon for the club, not just in wins, but in development and future player sales as well. Having all young guys surrounded by just one or two star players in their prime, however, does not always make for the best on-field performances or viewing experiences. For that, there is something to be said for the third profile of players that a USL League One team may look to sign, and those are domestic veterans dropping down from higher divisions or returning to the country from abroad to play serious competitive minutes before the end of their career, rather than being practice squad or bench players at a higher level. These guys are great, not only because if that is their mindset, they clearly still have that competitive edge, which they can hopefully instill in their younger developing teammates, but also because they can organize a team and provide elements of consistency in a league that can often have a lot of roster turmoil. Again, remember those one-year contracts. In addition to just the fact that there's such a high number of young players up for a test run, and it can be really hard to have some sort of consistent backbone and identity with your team. Add a veteran, and you can solve that. Take midfielder Don Smart with Greenville, formerly Madison, for example. Smart was 31 when he signed with forward Madison, but immediately had an impact as a veteran starter, helping to form a core that understood the professional ins and outs that would be needed to perform at this level. Veteran players in this 28 to 32 range can be crucial in helping new teams like Madison was then, or like Lexington will be in 2023, to avoid the chaos that comes with being an expansion team loaded with players who've never met each other, never played together, never played for their coach or in this league. Some of them never played professionally. These veterans are a crucial glue and a calm head that is much needed in this case. Again, similar to the big splash signings of star players in their prime from higher leagues, you probably can't have more than one to three of these guys on your roster or you risk being aged out of the league very quickly. But if you get the mix right, they can impart a wealth of knowledge to those young players who make up the core of your team and provide it, that core, with a little professional backbone to make the coach's job that much easier and help them build a culture and an identity at the new club. What we see when teams get this mix right, along with nailing a coaching hire, mind you, that, that's also important, is an immediate advantage over their rivals in this league and the chance for long-term sustainability on the field and financial competitiveness down the road. The two best examples of this are obviously this past season's cup champion and runner-up, Omaha and Greenville. Veteran leaders in their late 20s or early 30s for Reddy Sousa and Connor Doyle for Omaha and Aaron Walker and Tyler Polak for Greenville a star player in their prime dropping into the league from a higher division abroad with Greenville's Dutch forward Mario Lomas, and young players out of the American college system hitting their peak in their developmental curve thus far with Omaha's Evan Conway or Greenville's Max Hemmings. There's no perfect system or recipe, a lot more will depend on scouting the right players to fit whatever coach you end up with in their system, but for Lexington I think looking to these profiles could be beneficial in our initial roster build. Lexington has not only the highly competitive college program of UK right in their backyard to recruit from, but also 2021 national champions Marshall just across the border in Huntington as well. They also have established League Two sides in the greater Cincinnati Metro with Dayton Dutch Lions and Kings Hammer. And so from any of these either colleges or League Two programs, they can draw in that core of young players used to competing for championships just at this different amateur level, but now might be looking to take that next step into the professional game. 
Lexington also has two, soon to be three, MLS sides within driving distance from whom veteran players unhappy with the number of minutes they're getting at a higher level may look to drop down, and, and they have an international sporting director who played professionally in three countries, so maybe he can open some doors for players looking for an American move. We're also right down the road from a perennial championship title contender loaded with veteran players who could sign in Lexington to take on larger roles, or academy products from Blue City, that team, in search of minutes who might bring some local energy and dynamism to the club here on loan as well. Finding the right mix of player types, talent, and skill sets obviously takes a lot of scouting and a lot of luck, but Lexington should be well suited to take advantage of a lot of natural talent networks surrounding the Bluegrass region to thrive in League One. There are so many different institutions and clubs around here that will provide us with exactly the profiles of players we need as long as we can get the right guys in. Hopefully, we find the coach, system, and players to make it all work, but for now, we're going to adjourn this session of Lexington Marquee Soccer. But we have a bonus episode coming up actually in a couple weeks rather than waiting the full month this time. We're going to break down the championship game of USL League One last year between Omaha and Greenville just to get a bigger picture of what does this look like if you put it all together correctly. If you find the right players of the right profiles, how does that look? What are we hoping for in this team? And what can we expect from top level competition that we're soon going to be watching in our own city? But until then, we're going to adjourn this session of Lexington Marquee Soccer. So thanks for listening, everybody, and see you soon.